not your weekly sports pod. Welcome back to Not Your Weekly Sports Pod. It's your boy, Vala the Bala. Nabil, the real deal. We're back in this thing. And you know, when we talk Houston sports, we need happy babies, right? We need good vibes. We need puppies. And what better happy baby in my life than Martin Cerritos, the man with the baby face at age 30, who's always been an optimist of Houston sports to have the most optimistic episode that we've had in a while. Martin, welcome to Not Your Weekly Sports Pod, bro. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to discuss some uh, Houston sports, and hopefully we can get deep into the uh, issues that we're going to be seeing this year in all of our teams. We're going to have to get really, really deep into it, bro, because I think this is more going to be kind of like a therapeutic episode for all of us, right. considering you know we're, what we've gone through for the past three to four years. But I'm, I'm ready to go to therapy with you guys, bro. There's nobody else I want to do it with. Look, there's an optimistic side to this, right? The Houston Astros just won the World Series. The Houston Texans have mm. a quarterback once again. The season ticket holders aren't just camping around the hood around NRG. They're actually <laughs> heading back inside the stadium. And yeah, the Houston Rockets, there is some future to be discussed here in a pivotal year that's coming up for them. But before we talk about the podcast, as always, we're going to do a little trivia to open the episode up. Okay. And Martin, you know, I've been like Lance McCullers Jr. with the trivia. I've thrown some speed balls and I threw so many curveballs, like so many consecutive curveballs that shafted Nabil and some of the guests that we've had on that I that I switched over to like injured Lance McCullers in May and June time where I'm throwing underhanded pitches to preserve okay. the moral of my guests. So I'm going to give you all a little in-between action here, okay? I'm going to give you Justin Verlander on a day where Kate Upton hasn't given him a full body rub down. <laughs> and I'm going to give you all a medium difficulty trivia question to start the episode. And it has to do with the first year I became a fan a true, like, every game fan of the Houston Rockets. The first year of Tracy McGrady, Yao Ming. Y'all remember what year that was? 04? 2004-2005, yeah. <clears throat> so to start the 2004-2005 NBA season, the trivia question is, on day one of the regular season of that Jeff Van Gundy, Rudy, or not Rudy Tom, uh, what's his name? Tom Thibodeau, assistant coach, just running these players into the ground. Who was the day one point guard? of that 0405 Houston Rockets team starting point guard. Ooh. I want it wasn't Ray for Austin. I will I will give you one hint. He uh-huh. did not end the season with the team. Makes sense. Uh, he retired. Reese Gaines? No. Damn. Oh, yes. No, I, I do know. Like, can I re- re- redone at this? Bob Sura. Martin, what do you got? Uh, I don't have a guess. I don't know if I was watching that intently. At that time, so I'm, I don't even I don't even know that I have a guess. You saved yourself heartbreak. They started that season awful. They were like nine and twelve before they played the Spurs in December, where T Mac had thirteen and thirty three. Bob Sura missed the first month and a half, or I think two months of the season with a back injury. So their starting point guard was former New York Knicks legend Charlie Ward. Oh my gosh! To start the season, Jeez Louise. Yeah, the Jeff Van Gundy connection was real. Um, and then you know what happened, right? They pick things up. Mike James joins the team. Who? Mike James. <laughs> um, and then they go on to play in one of the most rigged series, officiating-wise, in NBA history against the Dallas Mavericks, where uh, Tim Donahue had the mafia on his back, and he gave the series to Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas white folk. So th- this episode will be a lot more optimistic than that, but just to start things off. Well, thank you. So let's do it, man. The uh, Houston Rockets, the worst team in the NBA over the last three seasons, 
Um, having gone from basically making the playoffs every single year that James Harden was a Houston Rocket, I think underappreciated for his status in the league with what he did for the team constantly in the playoffs, constantly in the MVP hunt, uh, to now being the laughing stock of the league. And, you know, it's no secret the national media trashes Houston, right? Every time there's a name kind of in the sphere, whether it's Victor Wembenyama in the first pick or Jalen Brown landing destinations, it's always a talk of, ah, well, you know, Houston's culture is fucking trash. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a good fit. I think the only problem is that these people have never gone West Timer themselves and felt the love of treasures. Um, so I think it's, you know, once you actually go there and experience it, I mean, James Harden's been a changed man because of it. So uh, all you haters fucking come to H-Town and actually enjoy yourselves and quit living in your fucking, you know, mother's basement. Get the fuck out. You know, the Houston Texans used to have the hand of God, Jack Easterby. I think the hand of God is passed on to James Harden. Oh, wow. He puts his hand on you in the strip club. And, you know, I think the possibilities are endless for your life in Houston. The amount of like the amount of tuition that James Harden has fucking paid in Houston, there should be a goddamn legacy endowment award named after James Harden. You know, there should be buildings at U of H named after him. So fuck it. <laughs> We're talking about the stripper connoisseur himself. The, as I like to call him the Tony Soprano of the NBA, the man who conducts his business in the strip club, probably meets his agent, uh, many steak <laughs> dinners with uh, fucking Les Alexander before he sold the team to the fraud. That is Tillman Fertitta. James Harden, oh, it's the name has been out there all summer. There's reports that he's heavily interested in Houston and linking up. Uh, he's kept ties with the community. His mom lives here. Uh, he embraces the opportunity to be free again in an offensive system with Houston, although I don't know how free you'd be with Emi Odoka, but anyways. James Harden to Houston, Nabil. Just give me your raw, unfiltered opinion here, and we can kind of break down the ins and outs. This is probably the most excited I've been as a Rockets fan uh, over the past four years. Is because, you know, we look at this Houston Rockets team for the past three to four years. What's been the biggest thing that's pissed you off? There's no offensive sets runs. It's Michael Porter Jr. God trying to set Kevin Porter Jr. Sorry, Porter you put Kevin some Porter respect Jr. on your starting point oh, guard's gosh. name. That shows you exactly how much I care about, care about KPJ. But him trying to run offensive sets for himself, Jalen Green, and pretty much you know all the other types of uh, players that are trying to actually get a shot off, and it's honestly just been you know like putting glass shards in my fucking eye. It's just been horrible, and it's translated to the worst record in the league for the past three to four years. So what's the main thing that a budding superstar like Jalen Green, somebody like Shangoon, somebody like Jabari could use? Maybe an, uh, an above average, one of the best point guards in the past five ten years coming back and running an offense for you and actually showing you some sort of like formidable offensive set. I think that would be really, really good for some sort of like under 25-year-old team that needs leadership, that needs offensive sets run for them. So I'm really excited, man. If that's the case, having a definitive point guard to come back and try and run your offense, I'm all for it, man. I really am. Um, I don't know how much he really wants to go back to Philly. Reports are that Nick Nurse wants Van Vliet coming in as point guard, which I don't know how good that is for a Philly uh, for Philly fans. But for the Rockets fans, I'm, I'm all for James Harden coming back, bro. Come back. Finish your, you know, it's weird seeing you in any other jersey other than a Rockets red jersey. So come back and end your career here, man. We miss you. Martin, you were one of the defenders of the beard himself when he was in Houston. Anytime I went on tirades about him on Twitter, you always had my back. So 34-year-old James Harden looking for a multi-year contract. Coming into Houston, not necessarily the James Harden of old, but kind of a, a setup guy for all these young athletic dudes we have. How do you feel, man? You know, it's tough because uh, I love James, James Harden. I loved his game while he was here. Um, I think he doesn't get enough credit for 
who he is in NBA history. And I went through, I don't know how many Twitter accounts to defending him tooth and nail from to every every night for all, from his for his performances that everybody hated hated him for. If Kevin Durant's listening to this episode, your next Twitter dossier is here. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that well, uh, and you know, but going back to what I was saying that with with James Harden, um, his game's always been great, and now I know it's evolved a little bit more to, to a passer, a cre- you know, a creator as as it as we saw it here at the, the later part of his career here, um, becoming more of a point guard. I think that he would be good for the development of the young players. And so that's definitely one positive aspect I see to it. Um, but like Nabil mentioned, Kevin Porter Jr., I guess, is the the crux of it all here. Is is he somebody that you bet on to be your point guard of the future? Or is he somebody that you have as a six-man to learn from James Harden also? Because if you remember, he, his game was compared to James Harden's game coming out of uh, USC. So that's one, you know, one way I look at it. I'm always thinking about the positive way about, you know, the team and how they can improve. And I like Kevin Porter Jr. in his game and his maturity has come a long way. So he's, you know, a cheap asset and something that we could bet on. But James Harden is, is, is another piece that maybe too hard to pass on if, you know, if, if the, the chance is there to get him back. The Kevin Porter Jr. angle is very interesting. And I want to that's something we're going to explore in a little bit here. Yo, we got to have an honest conversation about James Harden, the player, for a minute. Because what we saw in Philly was a guy through the course of the regular season, even with pieces missing, injured Joel Embiid, Maxi missed some time as well. He can still steer the ship, right? He can kind of commandeer the offense and at least put the pieces in motion. But like we saw in the playoffs, man, when the clamps are on and the pieces, the defensive sets are in, and they're studying you game to game and making adjustments, he's no longer that guy. I don't think he's, I don't think anyone thinks he's the number one guy on a championship team anymore. Personally, I don't think he's the number two guy on a championship team anymore. So if you're okay with paying probably $40 million a year for at least three years guaranteed to this guy, which is what he's going to command, if you're okay with paying that for a dude who's, only here for developmental purposes of your younger guys and to really give you a solid starting point guard, but not a 40 million a year point guard. I don't think definitely not towards the latter half of that contract. Then yeah, I'm with it. Let's go get him. Let's just get some guys that we can actually move this offense around and let's move forward with the pieces we have, uh, not having to give up any assets, but just use the cap space that we have that who knows what other pieces are out there that we can use it on right now. Uh, I'm with it. So if, if you're okay with that, I think that's kind of the that's kind of the point where we're going to be at with getting James Harden. I think I'm cool with getting it just for a couple of reasons, right? Like people forget that like Harden led the league in assists last year. You know, like he was averaging over ten assists a game uh, the whole time. And I think at one point it was one and two, it was him, Trey Young, and Jokic going back and forth uh, for leading the league in assists. So I'm completely okay with that. And the second point also being that your young core that you already have, none of these guys are up here for their next contract. Or most of these guys are still in their rookie contract. So you have quite a bit of cap space to play around with. Speaking of, you also have enough cap space to bring in another max contract guy if you want to. So if you're okay with that, and that other max contract guy that you're going to bring in is going to be the leader of this offense, combined with maybe a Jalen Green that can probably average 25 a game, or you're hopeful as a Rockets fan that he can next year going forward, then yeah, maybe Harden averaging you 18, 19 a game, giving you 11, 12 assists, that's perfect if that means you know something that can translate to more development for the other players. So I'll give you a good take, uh, like an optimistic take and a bad take here. The good take would be, 
The Rockets were dead last last year in corner threes created as a team. You've got good shooters on this team, but you know they're they're not taking easy shots in a lot of the offensive sets that we've seen. So Harden fixes that. Boom, that's done. You don't have to worry about anything else. The pessimist in me always wonders, you know, we've seen Harden's game go up and down depending on the pick and roll partner he has. When he was with Clint Capella and Clint was healthy, that I mean that duo of those two and Chris Paul were like what 45 and yeah. 3 in 2018. That 2018 team mops both these teams in the finals right now, the 2023 Easily. finals. Easily. Uh sweep, easy sweep. Then when we went small with Westbrook, we kind of saw Harden start to struggle a little bit, right? With the Nets, he had Claxton, a per- the perfect pick and roll rim runner. Um, with the Sixers, I mean Joel Embiid. Yes, yeah. we don't need to discuss that any further. You have the fucking MVP of the NBA. Um, so coming to the Rockets, Alperin Shangun. I don't know, man. That's a fit that raises a lot of questions as a pick and roll partner. But Shangun's a fucking talented player. Probably the most talented young center in the NBA. I would I would go as far as to say. Um, but the fit is. The one thing that makes me hesitate there, unless, and who knows, maybe this is in the works, this team doesn't consider Alperin Shingun as a part of its future. Maybe there's still some asset dangling talk with him to get a bigger piece. I don't know what they're thinking, but how does that fit work for you guys? Martin, let me start with you, man. Well, I I think Alperin Shingun is untradeable for one thing. For you know, He's a, he's a you don't touch this, I, untouchable I, asset. No. I, I, he's up there with Jalen Green and Jabari, top three. Okay. Don't you don't you don't get rid of him. He could either be the next Jokic or he could be you know the next Nurkic. Who knows? Maybe not not as comparable to Nurkic, but you know what I mean. Nurkic had that potential next to Jokic when they were together. Yeah, he started over Jokic initially. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, but it turned he turned out to be a decent player. You know, somebody that you you take as a something that Alperin could get to. Sure, um, but at the same time. Um, I don't know. Like, is he going to take a big enough jump next year to be that crucial to the offense? And next to James Harden, you know, that's a big that's a big role to take on. So, I don't know. That's I guess it, the the thing about this whole situation with James Harden is that the time the time uh, is weird with uh, having either really young players or bring or having to bring in newer you know uh, established stars to to help him. It's it's kind of like you're not sure in which direction you want to go. Um, but if you go with James Harden, you're you're thinking you want to win. Is, do you want to win a championship with James Harden? Uh, you know, so that's it raises a lot of questions. Well, but, they don't have their draft pick this next year, right? It's true. it's all like owning the Nets pick and then having swap rights. So next year they don't have their own pick; they have the Nets pick. So you want to? It's probably going to end up being a mix of both vets and young guys. But strictly on the Shangun front, Nabila, where do you stand? I think it's great. Like I, I don't mind it at all. And there's no, there's nothing preventing you from having Shangun coming off the bench and kind of being oh, that wow. ultimate, that ultimate six man as well. Kind of you know, if you if you really want to fuck around with the idea of Shangun playing point center, then him coming in and taking minutes from James Harden when he's on the bench and you know him getting older. Obviously, I think Harden's not going to play 38, 39 minutes a game anymore. I think this would be the easiest way for you to start that. And if so, if you do do that, that also brings in the avenue for you to bring in like a a center that's still available, right? If you want to bring in a DeAndre Jordan, if you want to bring in somebody like a... I would cry if we got DeAndre Jordan. Or just anybody you want, maybe a Kevon Looney, like anybody that you really want to bring that can actually run a pick and roll with him. I think that that's definitely not out of the equation at all. You want to steal the scientists from the evil empire? Just get Looney from (laughs) the Warriors? Hey, they they lost Myers, take a Looney as well with them. Why not? Why the fuck not? But yeah, just any other any other center that can essentially 
actually run the pick and roll with James Harden, you can absolutely add that to this team because you have the cap flexibility to do it. And I really don't think Shangun's in any position to argue about his role on this team and how many minutes he gets, um, you know, where he stands in the in the rotation, especially with Ime Udoka coming in and having, you know, full reigns over this. So lot, I'm all for it. A lot of Rockets fans would flame you for what you just said. Like that's they, the last they, fucking team. Bro. They are. <laughs> yeah, like, yes. Flame me. Go become more than the last place and keep flaming me. You, bro, you're, you're talking down to your own your own friends, I'm your own family. This is the brown treacherous pirate in you, and I respect it. You. But, you know, a lot of people view Shangun as one of those untouchables. Like what Martin said, people say, and bro, the don't even get me started on the fucking Turkish fan base on Twitter. They come after you. You say one bad thing about Shangun in like a, a Rockets Twitter thread. For the next two weeks, you've got Turkish trolls like commenting on every post and everything you speak on. So I think Shangun's got like a little bit of a, a he's building a little bit of an ego, right? Mm-hmm. Turkish MVP by his sophomore year, he's averaging 15 and eight. All opponents saying this guy is a talented dude and shame on your coaching staff for starting Bruno fucking Fernando over him <laughs> to start your season. So. I don't know, man. I don't know if Shingun going to the bench is an option. I, I think he's either the plan going forward or he's part of a larger trade to bring in uh, a veteran asset. I, I think that's the direction that this is going to end up going. I mean, I don't know if that's a bad thing, though, to say that you're putting him on the bench. I think the only reason you're doing it is if you're bringing Harden in. Like, where does Shingun play? Shingun's not going to play in the post, is No, he? but I'm saying, like, if you bench him for, like, uh, I'm trying to think of what like a relevant analogy would be like a Thomas Bryant, just mm-hmm. a dude who's like a subpar center, but just fits better with Harden. I think that's going to raise concerns in Shengun's camp. And, you think so? And I don't think he ends up signing like a rookie extension with the team. Ultimately, he gets moved. I think that's a route that they would end up going. What do I know? We're like projecting years out, but um, I'm pretty confident because I've suffered with this team and you've abandoned us in our oh, darkest gosh. times. I'm here, man. I'm trying to watch. And the only thing I keep seeing is I see the talent in Shangun. I'm not doubting that at all. Dude is talented. My only concern is what is that talent going to yield you as a result of actual wins from here? Has that, and maybe it's not to blame on Shangun. Maybe it has to blame a lot on Steven Silas. And maybe Ime Udoka actually finds a way to utilize him properly. All I'm saying is just the way that I've seen his game progress, I don't see it working well with a James Harden unless, again, Ime turns him into a point center, which. All, all roads have shown me that's probably the most promising route of Shangun's projections and, you know, his capital growing is if he can take that role on. Nothing tells me that he can't. I think it's all on email to actually make him be able to do that. Let me give you a potential trade here. See what you guys think about this. You trade Alperin Shangun and all the Nets picks, all of them. You keep the, the, the right to swap, but you trade all the picks that you took from them. You trade Tari Eason. Your son? Mm-hmm. My son. Wow. The you know I threw Terrence Jones to the side. Be good. And you trade that to the Golden State Warriors for Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole. No. Mm. You do it if you're the Rockets. Pass. No. Pass. Hard really. Pass. Hard. Uh, pass. Jordan Poole's like stock like fell really really hard this past. What playoffs. better time to buy high on a guy that showed you that he can be a twenty point per game guy in the playoffs as the third option behind Stephen Clay? But do you really need that when he does the same thing as Jalen Green and plays defense at a worse level than Jalen? You give me as many young guards who can fucking shoot threes and create for themselves in an efficient way, I'll make the rest of it work. Man, that's, mm, I don't know. No. Shangun's like, un, like yeah. I said, untouchable. Can't, I'm with, I'm with Martin on this one, man. Yeah, okay. I'm not, I'm not, not for not for those assets either. Yeah. Okay, the cum bucket. Come on, the cum bucket. Jonathan Kaminga. No, <laughs> that was his. Uh, that was his nickname coming out of uh, coming out. Uh, out, of the, out, out <laughs> no pun intended. Out of the NBA. Out of the NBA draft. 
Everybody on Twitter was calling him the cum bucket, and they, they like try to shut it down quickly. Mark, your pun game is on they point, like, dog. Oh, man, we, we're not we're not doing that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't take that trade. But let me ask you this: Why, why do we want James Harden back? Is it purely out of nostalgia and love and and wanting to go back to our the glory days? I think it's a combination of things. I think one, Tillman Fertitta is smart enough to see a fan base that's becoming more and more disengaged with the team. Um, I think they understand that they have cap space to spend and where else would you rather spend it than a familiar face that's associated with good times for your franchise. You need a point guard. He fits that role. You need a guy that can create and set up your younger guys who aren't necessarily creators themselves like a Jabari Smith who had an unbelievable end of the season. We're going to have a Jabari Smith segment here in a little bit. But um, those are the big reasons. And I think James Harden fits all of those, along with being a community presence in the city of Houston. You know, it's a no-brainer in some respects. The just the question has to become: What kind of a contract are you willing to give him? I, I don't know if a four-year, two hundred million dollar contract uh, is necessarily something you want to commit to, but I'd be okay with like three years with a team a team option. If you give him a player option, he's a hundred percent taking that player option at thirty-eight, thirty-nine years old. So, yeah, that's the James Harden angle. Yeah, that and that's tough because for me, objectively, I would want him to stay in Philly, play with the the MVP and beat and and try to win a championship, run it back. Now they have an actual coach who can make adjustments, and it's not just going to sit there with his thumb up his ass like fucking Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think that they have a chance at doing something good. The East is is I don't know. It's up and down. The Boston, who knows where they're going to go. Um, you know, uh, Miami's, I'm sure will be there right back up there. Um, Giannis of course will be at the top, uh, but he, I mean, they just lost in the first round. So the East is maybe wide open. Who knows? Do you run it back with, with Embiid? I think you do. And you build that team and make it better. And I think you, the, the Rockets go the way they're going now and develop their young talent and, and maybe try to do it more organically. Like people have been talking about. Um, but I know it's tough to watch bad, you know, some bad losses or uh, a lot of losses in a row. So it's it's one it's a double edged sword right now with with the situation that we're in. So well, I think that Martin, for your point, I think like a lot of this isn't like like writing in Philly's hands, right? Like I think a lot of this is on Harden's uh, decision for himself or what he really wants to do. And I, I don't know, man, him saying or like leaks getting out that he really doesn't want to be in Philly anymore. Kind of to me, just makes me understand that. The whole championship angle, I think, really doesn't work in Harden's case. I think dude's just trying to chase the bag and, you know, make even more money than he possibly can and power to him. And if that's the case, no state taxes in Texas, right? None of that bullshit that you have to worry about. So you come in, even if you take a little bit less than the max, that's still more than what you'd end up making in Philly. So I really don't know what Harden's angle is in all of this, right? Does he just want to make bank and come back to fun times? If so, what's a better option for you than Houston? Come back, be close to your mom, be in the community that loves you. Our baby be, mamas be all the baby mamas oh lurking in every corner of Houston, all the fucking suburbs, you know, also Houston sports media, man, like Philly is hard Horrible. on their players, especially in their low moments. Bro, Houston worship this man Houston <laughs> for like the Houston sports Twitter like flew to Brooklyn to defend him when he went to the Nets. And then when he left the Nets for the Sixers, they went there too. So he's got a fan base that's followed him around and is planted firmly in Houston. 
Um, and yeah, for all the comfort reasons, who knows if his priority is ring chasing anymore. He's no longer the best player or the second best player on a championship team. So is it that important for him to win a ring on the backs of other stars? I, I don't know. All signs seem to indicate no, because where I've learned in NBA Twitter and just speculating and following the sport for so long is where there's a lot of smoke, there's usually fire. And there's every you know angle of this has been that it's destined to happen and it's almost a done deal that he's going to be a Houston Rocket. So let's prepare for that and let's see what happens with that. And the best complement to that is going to be his backcourt running mate, Jalen Green. So I still, I don't know where you guys stand here, but year two Jalen Green, he made a little jump in his scoring. Efficiency was about the same, which was pretty bad his rookie year, but a little bit better from three this year. Jalen Green, year two, going into year three, where we've seen very similar year one and two outputs from similar guards with the skill set and athleticism that Green has. Guys like Booker, guys like Beal, guys like Anthony Edwards. Where are you all at with Jalen Green? Are you still of the mindset that this guy's the face of the franchise going forward? Um, I, just to put it out there, seem to think that, yes, he still has superstar written all over him. Elite fast-twitch athlete. Still has the shot-creating bag that I think few other guys have at age 19 and 20 that he's displayed already at a professional level. Consistency's been his biggest thing. He'll have a stretch where he scores like 40 in like three out of six games, and then he won't hit 20 for a week. So I think that comes with time and maturity and developing his body, but where are you guys at with Jalen Green? Uh, I, I think he's everything that has, he's been advertised to be, and I think he's going to be – I think he when he once he reaches his potential, I think will everybody will realize we well, made the right pick in the draft and um, he's going to be a superstar. So I'm 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 all over it. Um, you know, untradeable, untouchable, uh, on that same list with uh, the one you know Shangun and Jabari and uh, I. But I was going to ask about that too to about Jalen Green. Is did you guys see the comments? That he made on uh, Paul George's podcast. Paul George's podcast. Yeah, it was like an hour long episode. Which part? Which comment are you well, referring to? Well, they asked him what he thought about James Harden coming back, and he said, "Well, he was about to answer, and then they all started chiming in, like, oh, you know, James Harden, you, you know, this is your team now. You should. Uh, what do you think about it? You know, you should stay there and be. You know, you should be the man.'" And he was like, "You know, kind of agreeing with them, but not really." Um, so he's. That was kind of interesting to watch to see, you know, what he maybe thinks about James Harden coming back. Maybe he wants to be the guy and he doesn't want somebody to come in and, you know, take any of his either minutes and any of his of his, uh, you know, starlight. So it's it's a it's interesting situation with that, too. A lot of factors. But I think um, Jalen Green's definitely everything that that we we've been told he's going to be, I think, so far. Yeah, I look at Jalen Green, man. I think the first two years were kind of like a litmus test to see, like, does he have it? Does he have those intangibles to kind of, in the future, you could see that he becomes a star? And I think he does in the facet of when I'm looking at a rookie player, I want to see a couple of things, right? Do you have the will to take shots, even though, like, they may not be going in, but you still have the will and you don't start deferring? Yeah, Jalen Green does that. He's willing to take the shots, even if they don't go in. I respect that. Secondly, can he shoulder the offense in certain area, in certain times and be the focal point? Yeah. Uh, again, inconsistent, but we definitely showed that a couple of times. I want to be optimistic and at least say that a lot of the blame was given to Steven Silas in the way that he was utilizing him. So hopefully with Ime Udoka coming in, guy who actually knows how to run offensive sets, maybe he puts Jalen Green in a better position to get a lot more open shots, coming off of screens maybe, just coming off and, you know, 
coming off of his left hand potentially as well and getting those shots in the on the side bank as well maybe that could work out additionally hoping that you have a point guard actually setting you up as opposed to kpj could probably do wonders for your development as well so i'm hopeful and that's the sense your third year, I think this is going to be kind of that make it or break it year in which, hey, you have a new coach coming in, you have new offensive sets, and guess what? This offense is going to be solely predicated upon you getting open shots or just contested shots or just shots in general actually going in. We've seen that you have the willingness to take these shots. They need to start going in now. So I think this third year is going to be very pivotal for anybody trying to get a full understanding of, hey, is Jalen Green really that guy or is there maybe a little more than what we expected and not showing up? Yeah, I think he's the real deal, man. Real deal sex appeal. <laughs> but so many of these possessions, I remember watching the Rockets in half-court sets. And, bro, for such a young team, they need to be on the open break way more. Yeah. Way more Jalen Green on the fast break, getting alley-oop lobs, using his athleticism to get ahead of the defense. Like, the fact that the Rockets were in the bottom half of the league in that is, again, like a fault of coaching, I think, a big part of it. And the bad defense that never created those opportunities but yeah, so many of their half-court sets was just KPJ, ISO, yep. top of the key, dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, okay, shit, it's not there. They collapse the defense. Let me dribble, dribble, dribble back out. And then let me give it to Green, and maybe he can bail me out at the end of the possession. I think Harden fixes a lot of that. Or just any point guard, I think, fixes a lot of that. So KPJ, since he's been brought up here, since we one of us is going to have to defend his honor, and I'm sure the others will have to besmirch him. Nabil, you have the strongest feelings on KPJ. You guys can't see this on the podcast, but Nabil right now, there's steamed curry coming out of his ears. <laughs> the, the whole room reeks of it right now. I'm right back in the bazaars of Delhi. Um, Nabil, go ahead and give me your, your spicy KPJ take. He's just so frustrating to watch, right? Because like, Martin, to your point, yeah, the talent's there, right? We saw him coming out of USC and we know he's a talented player, but like his IQ, like he's probably the lowest IQ player playing a point guard position in the NBA that I think I've seen. He's, le- he's just learning how to play Damn. point guard though. But even then, I mean, you're just still put in. How many years has he been playing point guard now? One year. A year and a half. But the fact of the matter that you're still playing point guard in an era in which the point guard defines your basketball team and you've seen what that's yielded you, it's atrocious, bro. Like the output is horribly there. There's nothing you can do to set up your teammate. Are you a good offensive player and you can get the ball in? Maybe, yeah. I'll take you as a combo guard, but you playing the primary point guard position role for an NBA team isn't going to yield you anything. So many bet, like when the clamps were put on this team in the fourth quarter, there were so many just bad deflating turnovers from KPJ. Turnovers where you'd be watching the game like, damn, we're we're showing our talent. These guys are, we got, we got a squad. We got some young players that can do things. Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Three consecutive turnovers in the fourth quarter. Oh, shit. We just threw the ball. We didn't even get a chance to get a shot off in the last two minutes. It is frustrating. And yeah, Martin, he's only been a point guard for a year and a half. He's learning on the job. And he didn't have a good coach. And he didn't have a coach that set them up for anything. Bad I'd, rotations. I'd give him a year. Huh? I'd give him at least another year or two as a point guard. But to Nabil's point, sorry to interrupt you, too. I, I just think he's maybe a good six man. Is I was going to add to your point. So yeah, he's they signed him what to a four year, eighty million dollar, all non guaranteed contract, so they can cut him at any point. But bro, from day one of Udoka getting signed to this team and his his press conference in Houston, who was the only guy there? One of the only guys there at the press conference, KPJ. KPJ. Who's one of the, he met with Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, and KPJ in like a private meeting as well. Who's in the media talking about, hey, I'm constantly communicating with coach. We got good plans. This is the culture that's going to be in the locker room. It's KPJ. So I wonder, 
if all signs seem to indicate that, yo, he wants to be a part of this team, he wants to be under the tutelage of Udoka and build something here. Because, you know, this team's rebuild really started when James Harden got traded and then we got KPJ basically for free as a 19-year-old from the Cavs, a pretty good prospect at the time. He scored 50 points and 10 assists as a, you know, that season with the Rockets, his second year. So I wonder, man, I do think in that six-man role, he would be maximized mm -hmm. for this team. And I think he could be highly productive for us as like a play-in team or a lower seed playoff team. Him running that six-man, that second offense off the bench is it a little less frustrating to think about him in that role as opposed to the starting point guard? And would you be willing to accept him long term on this team with that? I'm all for that role. I, like I said, I'm not. I'm not doubting his talent. I'm not saying he's not a talented player. And I think him playing that six man role, like I think he'd be an optimized version of Eric Gordon. Like he'd be the same player that I see as Eric Gordon. I think that would be like the best version of what I could imagine, and that'd be great for this team. I just hope that we actually put him in that role as opposed to having him play the point guard. That's it. Like I, I think that yeah. experiment's done. And I don't think we give it another year, Martin, because like again, you don't have your own draft pick. It's time to start winning games. True. I don't think he wins you games as the starting point guard of, of an NBA team. So yeah. Starting point guard, it's either gonna be James Harden or who the fuck knows what happens with the number number four pick in the draft. Hmm. Does a Scoot Henderson potentially fall to you at four? Does Amen Thompson fill the void that you're looking for at, you know, a young explosive prospect since you're not going to have your pick for a minute? And at this point, like this might be your last chance to get one of the top three, top four prospects for a little while here. Do you just add another round to the revolver and add another young prospect at number four to this group of Jabari, Shangun and Green that you have here? Who knows? Maybe they trade up. They trade up to actually take Scoot. Or they add another wing scorer like Brandon Miller. The number one, the number four pick right now, like this is the worst thing that could have happened to us, right? This is the the most Houston thing imaginable. Victor Wembanyama, the best prospect of you know the 21st century since LeBron James, maybe even more so than LeBron James. I would say he's the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, and more so than LeBron James. You got this guy right at your doorstep, and then boom, you're the fucking fourth pick. You've been the worst team in the NBA the last three years. You get zero number one picks out of that. We couldn't just be Philly for a couple of years and right. not fuck up the draft pick. <laughs> so you missed the chance on him. You missed the chance on Scoot Henderson, I think the number two prospect of this draft. And you fall all the way to four, so you don't even get like the leftovers from the table of the top three who are in a tier of themselves. What do you guys think? Like, number four, I know we all have different thoughts on this. Nabil, you've got the most controversial here. What do you think happens with number four? Uh, if you're the Rockets, you trade it. Like, I think you package this in a trade to get a disgruntled superstar. If possible, I mean, I think we were talking about disgruntled superstars or players whose value is at their all-time low. You go all-in on Jalen Brown. I, I am still convinced. You don't find second-team all-NBA guards at age 26, 27 that are still available or potentially available at their lowest value. You go fucking bullish on that and you do your best to try to get that. And if the number four pick and some sort of combo, maybe a three-team trade, gets that done, then, hey, I am all fucking in for a James Harden, Jalen Brown, and Jalen Green like trio trying to run this offense and trying to get like points on the fucking board. I think that would be amazing. And I think that would just reboot any type of rebuilding opportunity that you're trying to do. 
you're getting the Rockets have done a great job in which they try to get players in their prime to come in and try to do something. T Mac, we got T Mac in his prime coming off the Orlando years, being you know uh, all NBA guy himself, leading the team, leading the league in scoring. Harden, we were able to get before his prime, but we saw what he could do being the sixth man of the year as well. You're getting a guy that's just coming off second team All NBA. You, uh, this is the time to get him, and you're going to have him for his prime for the next three to four years. If you can find a way to get him, I'm sorry, I don't see any of these guys, especially anybody dropping at number four, with the exception of Scoot drops two at four. I don't see Eamon Thompson or Brandon Miller being a potential second team All NBA guy in his first four five years in the league. So if you already have Jalen Green, if you're going to get Harden, and you want to maximize these three to four years that you may have with this rookie Jalen Green contract, you fucking go get Jalen Brown. So that's where I stand with that, at least with number four pick. Uh, I I agree that that's a good that'd be a good to move for the Rockets. Uh, um, I would say it's not your you know best your number one option to trade it away because you think that you know there may be some potential there. But like Nabil said, if you're wanting to move forward and compete for in the playoffs, I think Jalen Brown is somebody that you go for um, at at this point in his career. Um, and that'd be a decent roster to, to to have, but you know what? What would be the starting lineup? What, what would it, what would it be like? Would Jabari be in there, or and then Shangoon starting, and then what's our bench look like if we're trying to compete into the playoffs or even the the play in? Yeah, I don't know who you'd have to, who else you'd have to package to get Jalen Brown. It mm-hmm. might be Jabari, it might be Shangoon. Shit, it might be both of them. I don't know. I don't know what Boston would demand. They'd probably want everything from you that they could, and it's what Danny Ainge running the show mm-hmm. over there. So, or no, it's no. fucking, what's his name? The former coach, Brad, Brad Stevens, Stevens yeah. who's shown that he's a good GM who learned from Danny Ainge. So I don't know what that would look like, but yeah, the trade, you know, Tillman Fertitta has said he wants to accelerate this rebuild that he wants to compete sooner than later. So what better time than to use the number four pick to get another guy to pair with your free agent signing while you have all this cap space and just fucking go for it. I don't know who they're going to trade for, but I don't know, guys like Carl Anthony Towns, Jalen Brown. Who else is going to be available when the draft comes around? We never know. You never know in the NBA, right? It's a fucking crapshoot in the summer. So we'll see. But the idea of Scoot Henderson is also exciting. To get a guy who's been a pro in the G League since he was, what, 17 years old, who has next-level athleticism to put next to Jalen Green. I mean, a lineup of Scoot, Jalen Green... Jabari Tari, and then you know the homeless athleticism of Alperin <laughs> Shangun. That's a fucking fun lineup to yeah, watch, but totally. I don't think they're competing for a championship or a play-in seed with those guys. So I think it's realistic to assume this this pick's getting traded this year. Um, for who? Who knows? But you also have the number twenty pick available as well that you got in a trade um, for Eric Gordon and all those Nets picks. Bro, this is an exciting time to be a Rockets fan. I think a move is coming, and we're only a month away from the draft. It's going to happen sooner than later. So do y'all have any closing thoughts on the Rockets before we close this thing out? I'd love to see Scoot as a Rocket. I really would. I'm not going to lie. As much as I would like Jalen Brown on this team, like if there's a way that you can get Scoot Henderson and have this very young lineup and then still have the cap flexibility to bring in another disgruntled star, I'm not going to lie, Vala. If we get Scoot, I would love Pascal Siakam on this team. I would love. Absolutely be fucking floored if we get somebody like a Pascal Siakam on this team. Again, I think there's so many question marks and so many like rabbit holes you can go down before, drafts, before the NBA draft comes. So... Regardless, bro, I'm just I'm excited for the finals to be over. I'm excited for the finals, but I'm excited for the draft season to come through and see what our Rockets actually look like. Yeah, it's an exciting time, bro. Um, Scoot, I, it, like 
there was a time early in the season, like right before when uh, the G League Ignite played Victor's team on that ESPN showcase, where I was saying, you know, maybe Scoot's the number one pick. Athletic, explosive guard, like that game translates very easily to the NBA. And we've seen seven, five guys here in Houston have injury histories. And when that lower leg starts to break and fracture and, you know, you start to have operations on them, who knows how long that body holds up. But the talent's undeniable. Like Victor's number one, no matter what. But Scoot Henderson is going to be a superstar in this league. Mark my words. Martin, any Uh, last words? I don't think he drops past number two. To be honest, it, I, I, it's tough, but when you know, I hope that he does maybe. But I'd settle for Brandon Miller too. But I'd also settle for trading the fourth pick. But do you think that if we did trade the fourth pick, we traded before the draft or the draft, draft, draft night? Draft yeah, night. it's going to be one yeah. of those draft night trades. And who knows, we might trade up as well. True. Charlotte's in a weird spot at number two, where you've got Lamelo in the backcourt. It's, how does Scoot fit with that? Do you want a guy True. like Brandon Miller when you already have PR issues with Miles Bridges, who's going to be coming back? Who knows? Um, and then obviously, like Portland has the Dame dile- dilemma, so who knows yeah. if they want that pick necessarily as well? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think something's something is definitely going to happen uh, between picks two and four. There's going to be some movement on draft night. So, you know, just. Have this little charcuterie board of NBA treats before the most exciting time that it is to be a Houston Rockets fan. And until then, we're always going to say, bye. Bye.